Welcome to the 1110 Leadership Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of leadership, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Rob Shields, Vice President of Strategy at 1110 Leadership, and I'm joined by my co-host, founder and CEO of 1110 Leadership, David Spicker. Proverbs 1110 lays out a bold and countercultural vision. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're here to ask, what does it look like practically to be this type of leader? Leaders willing to invest everything they have so that everyone around them can thrive. Join us on the journey as we lean in, listen, and learn how to become Proverbs 1110 kind of leaders. The kind of leaders that make our cities rejoice. David. <laughs> Rob. What's Just here? trying to spice up the intro. You're, Just trying to spice it up. You're back. We're back. I'm back. We're back. Our audio's back. You're back in North Carolina. This is just, this is the Michael Jordan faxing in that he's back episode. <laughs> back for another year to play for the Bulls. Which one of us is Michael Jordan? You know that you know. <laughs> I, if anything, I feel like I resonate with like a Horace Grant. You know, give me those rec specs, right? I love those glasses. I was a huge fan of that team. The, was it Otis Cartwright? Wasn't he on there? No, Bill Cartwright. Bill Cartwright. Okay. Yes. I'm going to have to edit my ignorance out in post so our listeners can't hear me failing on 90s Bulls trivia. So how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing great. <laughs> Feeling good. We're back in our normal positions. Um, my voice is back. I'm ready to go. For our listeners who heard our episode last week, you know, David has spent the last week recording an audio book for The Just Leader, which will be coming available in the coming months, which we're really excited about to be a good companion tool for the the paper and Kindle versions. So we're just going to make it as accessible as possible through all the things, right? The e-course, podcast, people just think we're way more tech savvy than we actually are when they look at all the bells and whistles that we have going at 1110 Leadership. That's right, for sure. Well, we're going to jump into this. This is an exciting conversation. What do I do when my team is underperforming? Man, that is an important question. It's a question that comes up quite a lot in our work. And honestly, I'm excited to tie this to our conversation last time when we talked about the importance of creating margin, because we talked about this as being really an important other side of the coin to having healthy work-life balance as a leader, how it's important to set that culture on your team. But there's a flip side to that conversation, and that's what we're going to be addressing today. So... Without further ado, David, can you speak to the issue of underperformance in leadership and specifically even within our current context? Because there's there's that issue that kind of is always relevant across time, but specifically to this season in which you're observing how this is playing out in the current leadership landscape, what challenges are leaders facing around the question of underperformance on their teams right now? Yeah, well, in the work that we're doing with leaders, I would say this topic is a dominant topic in our conversations related to their coaching. Just them feeling like, what do I do? My team is not living up to the expectations I have of them. We're thinking through how to impact their performance, their behavior, and it just doesn't get to where we need it to get. And the challenge now, honestly, is really impacted by the impacts of COVID, not exclusively so, but when you have people who are more distant, 
the employees are asking for more remote work. People are wanting to have autonomy and probably less oversight, less accountability at the end of the day. Again, not completely so. so there's some companies who've done just a really good job of navigating the dynamics of remote work and how you keep people connected to the overall work of the company and making sure that they're held accountable. But it's made this issue much more complex. And people were not expecting it, of course, just like we weren't expecting a lot of impacts from COVID. But when you had that issue already on the plate before all of the issues around COVID, and then you throw in this extra complexity that comes from it, leaders are really trying to navigate this in a significant way to understand how they can better empower their people to perform at the levels that they need. Yeah, this is this is murky territory, right? I mean, so much of leadership is around reading the room and being decisive and adapting, right? Adapting your business model, adapting when you don't feel like you have the right team in place, and, and when do you get to the point where you need to make a change, right? Whether in role and switching up seats on the bus or just get switching new people on and off the bus. And there's been so many pivots that leaders have had to make over the last couple of years in the backdrop of COVID. And now as we reemerge, like you said, the work isn't really done. Honestly, the pivoting still needs to continue because now leaders are having to adapt to a real changing landscape. There's no going back to the way it was before because like you said, the way we work, our relationship with work has really changed. And then all, honestly, this isn't unique to COVID, but there's always a, an emerging generation of, of a workforce that has different expectations, a different relationship to work different ways they observe their parents working, right? And then are shaping how they want to work and what they, they bring that into a culture. And so the sand is always shifting with leadership. You know, it's never a set it and forget it type of thing. And I think this specific issue is probably where a lot of these things can, can easily come to a head because I think, you know, we know leaders who really been over backwards to try to build margins so their teams are healthy, right? In the pandemic as they should have. And now what do you do to make the shifts that you need to make to be an effective and efficient business now that when some of those conditions aren't really relevant anymore, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And what ends up happening is, and this ties back to margin, is when a leader feels like his or her team is underperforming, then that leader will step in. They'll step in to do work that they shouldn't be doing. They'll fill mm. in the gaps. They'll try to smooth over you know, the relationship with a customer because felt like their their employee didn't perform at the level that they needed to. They'll get in the weeds on projects in ways that they shouldn't. And they end up not realizing it, but they end up undermining their team, mm. which can erode trust. And then it becomes a vicious cycle because then their team gets used to their leader stepping in, which then, of course, impacts margin. So for the leader, so yes. it's, it's really important that the leader understands how far to go and when to step in when it's absolutely necessary, but what boundaries the leader needs to have to make sure that they don't do the natural response, which is to cover up the underperformance of their team. Mm. Yeah. In many ways, this feels like a part two, right? To unlocking margin. Because you're exactly right. You alluded to this last episode that even 
if a leader wants to do that and be healthier, their team has to be in a healthy place for them. You know, they're inextricably linked, right? Leader health and team health, which is why it's really important that we answer this question and, and give leaders the tools to be able to get an accurate read on their team. So David, what do you say to a leader who feels like his or her team is underperforming? How can a leader go about discerning whether they have the right people on the bus? Well, good question. You know, it's a tendency for a leader just to kind of use perception or their own thinking to come up with that. But we found that it's just really helpful for them to actually have tools and assessments that they can use to get after what's really going on in their culture. Because it might be that the problem is not their team, (laughs) but it's actually themselves. And so determining... That's not why leaders clicked on this episode, David. We we hooked them in with, my team is the problem, and now you're doing a bait and switch. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, of course, you know, the more, the closer we are with our people, the more we know them, the more we understand what makes them tick we can discern whether we have the right people on the right bus. You don't always have to use an assessment tool. But we found that a regular rhythm of doing assessments, and the one that we use called the Thrive Assessment, has been really effective to identify clearly what's going on in a culture and what's going on with a leader and his or her team. Because there's always, what we've learned is that everybody always knows what's going on at work but they never talk about it. And you need something that's safe where people can provide honest feedback on both sides. We do it in a 360 way where you get all sides of the feedback. And that way we can identify exactly what's going on in a culture from the employee side and from the leader side. And then as we walk through those results with everyone involved, which is a key element in this process to make sure that people don't see that their feedback goes into a black hole and nothing is done with it. When we have the opportunity to have an honest conversation about what's really going on, then we can really get to the core. So it's not just knowing that we've identified the right issues, but we've gotten to the right root issues, not just the symptoms. And that's critical because typically as leaders, we look at the symptoms and we just respond to those symptoms Mm. and we forget that we've got to identify those root issues. And we found it's really difficult to get to those root issues without some sort of tool and assessment. Again, that's safe. I, I can't tell you how, how many times employees are so grateful for the opportunity to provide feedback mm. and for a leader to be open to receive that feedback is the benefit, just the process of going through that. I know I have friends who struggle in their work environments and they wish they had the opportunity. If somebody would just ask me how things are going and I felt the freedom to share honestly and openly about how things are going and then to give feedback around my leader and to know that my leader would actually listen to that and want to grow from that and be teachable with that. That would do so much to enhance the culture that we have. And then ultimately it leads to better performance. Mm. 
it, it gets us to a place where we're having, again, getting to the root issues, both for the leader and his or her team, which ultimately ends up enhancing performance. Yeah, I love that. I've seen that up close happen where it's really even the process of it, of doing the assessment, unlocks so much, both in accurate diagnosis and then also even just unblockage around communication, right? Just get, helping people start to talk about the issues because it's one thing to know about them, but then being able to create safe environments to be able to healthily navigate addressing them in ways that are productive. So David, I wonder, I know that obviously that 360 is a tool that really can't be replicated on a podcast, but I wonder if you might even just be able to walk us through the framework for a leader that's walking into this uh, an assessment like that doing a 360 and has a question around their team's underperformance as a, as a way to even just show how nuanced this could be in making sure it's diagnosing the right issue uh, if that's the hypothesis the leader has. Yeah, so the acronym that we use is THRIVE. And so I'll walk through the six categories that mir- mirrors that word. So the first is TRUST. So if you think about trust related to performance and team, when we get scores back, we are looking at how well does the leader trust his or her team, how well they feel trustworthy. So the leader is self-evaluating the level of trust. And then the team is evaluating how much they trust the leader, how much they trust one another. And so when you understand the scores and the levels that it relates to trust, you will recognize how much the leader has connected to his or her team in order to have them feel like they are trusted. And when people are not trusted, they don't perform at a high level. They are in a place where they feel like they're watched, they're micromanaged, they're not given opportunities to have greater responsibility. We actually ask a question that's, that, that is, I can do far more than what my leader is asking me to do. And what's interesting about that question in the assessment is for even the work environments where people feel overwhelmed by the volume of their work, they will over and over again answer that question, yes, I can do far more work than my leader is asking me to do. And what they're saying is not more volume, but more responsibility. And so that's an issue of trust. But here's the flip side. The employees have to be trustworthy. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so it's inherent upon the leader to make sure that they are equipped, that they're trained, that they're put in positions where they can be trustworthy. Because people will say, well, they're not ready for it. Well, yeah, you don't want to give someone something to do that they're not ready to do. Although we have seen leaders who just put people in the frying pan and let them see how they, how they handle it, which can be a way on the job training for people to grow. But you have to make sure that they're trustworthy. H is health. This is looking at how well people are doing physically, emotionally, and spiritually with their work and the ways in which they are exercising. Do they have time where they can take vacations? How anxious are they? Are they sleeping? And so performance is directly tied to that. 
are people their best selves when they come to work and you have to evaluate their health. Impact is I. This is people understanding their why and the leader making sure that their employees understand the context for their work. And so again, performance, we get feedback in our Thrive Assessments that people feel like they're just going through the motions, that they don't know where their tasks are leading and what their tasks are allowing the company to do. They feel like they're just maintaining the status quo. So when you come to work like that and you feel like that and your leader hasn't helped you see the broader context, then you're going to underperform. Value. Value is, is V. Do I feel valuable? We've done talk about this in other episodes where people are less motivated, less productive when they don't feel like they're valued. They don't do their best work. And so again, it's always incumbent on the leader to figure out how people feel valued. And then finally, engagement. There's a lot around engagement, which we've talked about before. <clears throat> there are a number of stats that so disengagement across the workforce. And this is ensuring that people are working in their strengths, that they're able to grow in their jobs, that they have a career path, that they're able to truly do what they're designed to do, and that the leaders have helped them see how they're going to grow. So as we walk through this grid and you get scores on both sides, both the leaders and the employees, and you see the delta, the difference between the scores, you begin to see how the root causes that are keeping people from performance are really driving the way the leader thinks about their team. Yeah, that, that framework is incredibly helpful to really get a, a true read on what, what's at the root. And I think having done this work with you now and seeing the 360 version of this assessment play out enough times, it's interesting the trends that even emerge, right? And it's always a both and. It's never all the leader's fault or all the team's fault, right? There's usually a bit of gray. Now, both sides may come in thinking, well, I just have a bad boss or my team just is underperforming. There's always room for improvement on both sides. And I think that it's a really interesting observation that we've talked about this before in the very first series we did. If people are interested in having us go deeper on each of these letters in the Thrive acronym, they can go back to the very first series of our podcast where we, we go in depth on each issue. But you know, health is usually something that comes back lower for the leader than the team, but then it flips for impact, value, and engagement, where a leader may come in and project, hey, I mean, we're, we're gung-ho. I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I see the, the connection of what we're doing and the difference we're making in the world and assume that that's true of their team, but they're just closer to the sun, right? They're at every decision-making table, and so their team may or may not feel that way, especially as you get further down and away from the, the positions of power. And so it may very well be that the leader is not accurately seeing how much motivation is keeping their team from underperforming and feels like on, under the value and engagement side, that issue of capacity and it, my team, my team feels telling me they're at capacity and really trying to figure out whether they truly are. That's a challenge for leaders, right? Like to, to either is my team seeing their own capacity accurately 
or can I get more out of them and, and them still be healthy? When to push on that and when not. When to listen and when to you know, be able to cast a compelling vision that drives those up, the you know, value and engagement when the, the leader may be experiencing them, but it may not necessarily be translating to their team. And it could be a number of reasons that are causing that disconnect. Yeah, a lot of leaders' capacity is quite more than their mm. employees. And so for a leader to assess rightly what their employees can do, sometimes it's an apples to oranges comparison when they compare their own capacity and their own experience with their team. And so they have to be able to know what's realistic in terms of expectations related to their team's performance. Because inherently, particularly a leader, a founder of a company, this is their baby. This is the thing Mm. that they know all about. This is the thing that they're committed to. This, in many ways, is their life. And for a lot of their team members, they just don't view it that way. Now, you hope that they get to that level of emotional ownership, as the leader does, so that we're in this together. But there's always a level or two below the overall leader that their team believes in the business. And so having the right diagnosis around expectations is huge. Mm. So David, let's tie a bow on this conversation around underperformance. Give us, give leaders specifically, what's, what is the bottom line for leaders when it comes to addressing underperformance? Yeah, well, I would say for sure, do an assessment if it's the Thrive Assessment or any other assessment that is out there, I highly encourage that. But more than that, I would make sure that you create a context where the assessment results are discussed among your team with the leader. We're very intentional about that when we do the Thrive Assessments. And as I mentioned earlier, that part of the process is as powerful or even more powerful than even the results of the assessment can't tell you how incredible it is to sit in a room and to talk about the leader and what the leader is is doing well. Part of what we do with our assessment is we have employees list strengths of the leader and we have just a laundry list of strengths that we walk through for the leader to see where he or she is just doing exceptionally well and where if they live in those strengths the most, then they will thrive. And for the employees to see that part of their job is to help their leader live into those strengths, that they're going to thrive the more that they can position themselves to help the leader lead. So it gives an opportunity for the employees to understand what it means to lead up, to help their leader in his or her leadership, and then to identify where that leader can grow in his or her leadership and to sit and have an open conversation about the real opportunities for that leader to develop their leadership um, and to acknowledge that these are areas in which they need to grow and have really honest conversations with his or her team about that. What it does is it then tees up conversations for later that are open and honest in order for them to address the root issues on an ongoing basis because you can't solve things overnight and just doing an assessment, you're teeing things up for later. 
and you're ensuring that you have the right culture to pursue outstanding performance, to reach your goals, to have a thriving team. And that performance is not just number-centered, which is largely what we focus on, what leaders are focusing on, but we have performance that, that's related to wholeness, what we talked about earlier in our podcast series around developing goals that allow people to be whole. You want whole people wor- working for you, not just people who are going to grind things out to make your business go. Your business is for, for something much more than that. And so it's a place for people to flourish. It's a place for your community to flourish. And it's a place for you as the leader to flourish. And so coming out of this is just a robust discussion and then plan for how people can move forward in a way that allows everyone to win. I love it. Well, you know, we'll drop more information for anyone who's interested in exploring whether a 360 Thrive Assessment is a good fit for them in their leadership. And I think we've done a good job of kind of painting the the highs and lows, right? Of it, there might be hard things in there, but we want to be able to lean in and leadership is is navigating into that darkness to be able to then start to see light on the other side, right? Because this clarity is worth it. It's worth knowing that. And honestly, it's going to reduce the headaches of the guessing game because you're going to be able to take aim at really diagnosing the issues that are holding your team back from accomplishing that goal that you, you as the leader can see clearly on the horizon, right? And you want a, a team that is the right team, right people on the bus and the right seats on the bus to be able to get there and, and be whole along the way, right? Not when, once we get there and we take a good vacation, but again, back to this idea of weaving margin into our approach so that we aren't just a team of, of, of grinders because that doesn't lead anywhere good. So David, thank you for painting this picture for us, my friend. For sure, Rob. Thank you. To learn more about 1110 Leadership, visit our website at 1110leadership.com. That's the numerals one one then spelled out T-E-N leadership.com. That's one one T-E-N leadership.com. There you'll find more resources to equip you on the journey of becoming an 1110 leader. You can also get connected to our growing leadership network. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. To help others find us, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.